We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to another edition of the future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you very, very much, as always, for locking in today. Tell you what, got a good episode coming up for you guys. Joe Miller, host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast, co-host of the Hump Day Hotline, both part of the Buffalo Rumblings Podcasting Network. Joe's going to be with me in just a couple minutes. I spent a good chunk of the weekend with Joe, including Bill's practice on Saturday. And today we'll be focusing on some storylines and observations that we've seen at practice. Joe's been to both open practices, as well as observations. We'll break some down from several Buffalo Bills beat reporters that have been there covering practice on an everyday basis. So I have that for you in just a second. Uh, quickly though, before that, so I want to let everybody know. So Friday night, like I said, I've spent a good chunk of the weekend with Joe. Saturday morning, we sat together along with, by the way, shout out, uh, Zach Sheldon, Maniac from Trainwreck Sports. We watched, uh, we took in Bill's practice this past Saturday morning. But anyway, last Friday night, we did a podcast, not for this show or not for Joe's. We actually did a, a podcast for Rock Pile Report at O'Neill Stadium in which of course is right across the street from the stadium. And I'll tell you, man, that was so much fun. That was amazing. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. Drew and Chris, they do such a good job. It was just such a good time. So casual and uh, laid back. But anyway, yeah, Joe was a guest. I was a guest. Really good crowd on hand, including sitting at our table, uh, former Buffalo Bills offensive line great, John Fina. And I just want to take a quick second here, and then I promise you guys, we're going to jump into this interview because. I, I just want to take a minute, and I, and I hit on this a little bit at the end of the Rock Power Report. And again, if you have not listened to that yet, go find it and check it out. It was so much fun doing it. But I spent a little time at the end of, of Drew's show talking about John Fina and, and what it meant to be able to sit down at the same table as a former Buffalo Bills great, a guy that I really admired very much as a player, and now I do as a person. And I just kind of wanted to elaborate a little bit on what I was talking about on the show, on their show last week. So I, and I, and I said this, it's like, so we live like, you know, with so much pressure we put on ourselves and our lives, whether it's professionally, you know, with our families, our friends and stuff like that. And 
at the end of the day, I mean, we're good podcasters. I, I mean, Drew and Chris are great podcasters. Joe's awesome. I like to think I'm a decent podcaster. At the end of the day, we're Buffalo Bills fans and we have thoughts and observations and takes, and that's perfectly fine. But to be able to sit down face-to-face in a casual setting and have somebody like John Fina with us, to me, that was just like, that was next level stuff because, and again, I said this on Drew's show and Chris's show, you want to talk about pressure? Try being a first round draft pick to an organization that is perennially going to Super Bowls and you come into the league, left tackle, a very difficult position to play. One of the most difficult in all of football, playing left tackle. You're protecting most times anyway, you're protecting your quarterback's blind side. And being a first round pick and by your second year, when you're still kind of a little bit wet behind the ears, all of a sudden, not only are you the starting left tackle for a Super Bowl contending team, but you're tasked with having to replace Will Wolford, who, in my personal opinion, is the greatest left tackle in the history of the Buffalo Bills franchise. I mean, you want to talk about pressure, you want to talk about a tough task. And John Fina did that so admirably for Buffalo. He was a very good offensive tackle for this team for a long time. He spent a decade in the league. He was the first player ever to get franchised by the Buffalo Bills back in 1996. Just a great career. And again, you want to talk about somebody who just handles pressure and does it well. So as an athlete, as a performer, it was um, a little bit extra special to sit down with my podcasting buddies and somebody who's played at this highest level and, and just chop it up and talk football and kind of break things down, give you a, a little bit of the inner workings of how locker rooms work, how team meetings work, positional meetings work, stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. So as a football player, it was a great thrill to be able to hang out with John Fina. And beyond that, on a personal level, it was a lot of fun being able to spend time and hang out with John Fina. And I'll tell you this, and I mean this, there are, I've had the opportunity to interview many, many former Buffalo Bills on this podcast over the last few years. Too many to remember. Just Will Wolford, I mentioned him, uh, Thomas Smith, Eric Wood, Don Beebe, Steve Christie, Craig Urbic, Marlon Kerner. That's just, I, I'm sure I'm forgetting some. Point, Jerry Ostrowski. Point being, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of these guys. And John Fina might care right now at this moment. Not that these guys don't, because they certainly do. But when it comes to Bill's Mafia and engaging and interacting with fans, I don't think there's anyone that I've talked to that cares about the Buffalo Bills and cares about the Buffalo Bills fan base more than John Fina. And I'm very grateful and, and thankful for that. And it doesn't matter whether you're a person in the mainstream media, whether you have a relatively successful podcast like I do or like Joe does or like Drew and Chris do over at Rock Powell Report. It doesn't matter if it's that or if it's just a typical average Buffalo Bills fan who's just a fan of the team and a fan of a lot of these players. John interacts and makes time for everybody. And it was so cool to not only do the show with those guys and with John, but after the show, there were fans of his, fans of the team there, and he's just engaging with everybody, smiling, taking pictures, pounding pints of beer, which, by the way, we put away quite a bit of beer, us guys, on Friday night. Anyway, I don't want to get too off track here. I just wanted to elaborate a little bit. I want everybody out there to know 
I don't know if you're following him on Twitter or not, because he doesn't have that many followers, at least not compared to a lot of these other former star players for the Bills. But it's at John Fina. And I'll tell you, man, I'm looking forward to getting him on the podcast again. I've had him on once before because it's funny. Again, I'm doing Drew and Chris's show with them and John's talking. And in my mind, I'm like, man, I got about 50 follow-up questions based on what he's saying that I wanted to ask. But I didn't because, again, it's not my show. So I'm looking very much forward to having him on again. And he will be on. We talked uh, soon and talk with him. But again, guys, give this guy some love because he, he cares about the fans. He legitimately does. Doesn't do it for show. He does it because he legitimately cares about the organization and especially the fans. So much love. Big shout out, John Fina. Big shout out, Rock Power Report for hosting us, doing the podcast live. That was what what a fun environment that was. And I met some really cool people, man. Some some cool Bills fans, some people that I've known on Twitter, but I never had met them face to face. So, so, so much fun. So thanks a lot, guys. Anyway, back to today again. We're at that point now at Bill's training camp where, well, preseason games are coming starting this week. But I think we're starting to get at least somewhat of an idea how some of these positional battles are looking, or at least how they're set up to look going into the preseason. And again, Joe's been at both practices. We sat together on Saturday. Um, I've talked to many Bill's reporters who covered the beat daily and gotten their thoughts, collected their thoughts and, and analysis. So we're going to talk about that plenty more, pretty much in all Buffalo Bills edition of Talking Buffalo Podcast with Joe Miller. In fact, let's get into it right now. Here it is. My chat with host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast, my man, Joe Miller. All right, I'm joined right now by the host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast, also co-host of the Hump Day Hotline, my good buddy, my man, Joe Miller, who, by the way, spent a a good chunk of this weekend hanging out with. What's going on, dude? How you doing? Dude, it was fun, right? We had a good time. Oh, man, it was a really good time. <laughs> I'll tell you. So I talked a little bit in the opening, in the intro about O'Neal's on Friday and then the practice on, on Saturday. Yeah. But I want to let me get your perspective a little bit. So, again, for everybody listening, um, Joe Miller and I were both a guest on the Rock Pile Report. They taped it Friday night, this past Friday night at O'Neal's. And, of course, John Fina joined, which was... <laughs> that was fun, man. That was fun. But just let me get your perspective. Like I said, I talked about it a little bit and how much fun I had and, and not just a, you know, a good, also a good conversation and learn some stuff, quite frankly, from John between all the ball busting jokes and stuff. I thought he had a, a lot of interesting things to say, but like, what was your takeaway from that? Cause it was a, it was a fun night to me, man. I had a blast. It was everything that, that I had hoped for. Um, I I've been pretty vocal about the fact that like, I never grew up tailgating. So my family, my dad was always about football and my grandpa was always about football. So we showed up, we got to our seats 10 minutes before the game started. And as soon as the game was over, we never left early. As soon as the game was over, we'd leave and we'd be home and then we'd click on the next game. So I never really had that culture in my life. Uh, and then like you do a podcast in 2019 and then by 2020, it's blowing up and, but you can't go to games. You can't meet people like, and there's people that want to talk to you. So I'm the amount of anticipation and excitement that I have looking forward to this season and meeting people like you, right? Like Drew, like Chris, like Crystal, like Kristen, like Leslie, like, you know, uh, all the people that are uh, Tyrone that was there, like the opportunity to meet those guys. To me, that was amazing because all these people that I've gotten to know on Twitter, 
like we're real human beings to me all of a sudden. I yeah. mean, you and I have met before, but 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 I hadn't met any of those people. Like they weren't they were they were Twitter people. They weren't like humans that I've hugged right. and held, right? <laughs> a lot of them So for me, yeah, a lot of them were people that I just met too for the first time. So we're in the same boat. Now you do a show again, you're you're on the air live, so you're used to mm -hmm. the live vibe of doing a podcast. Right. So that's nothing right. new to you. But it is a little bit different when like say if this isn't live, but if it was right now, we're on you know, you're at your location, I'm at mine, and we're we're rolling, and there's nobody watching us. Friday live, or tape live, I should say, doing the Rock Power Report, and there were people, like, literally on our ass, man, like, I'm oh, yeah. right on top of us. I mean, they were close <laughs> enough that they could hear us talking, and there's no outgoing speaker. I mean, they were that close to us right. that they could hear right. a lot of our conversation, and uh, you mentioned some of the people, and then there were some people, I don't know who they were, quite frankly, but uh, it was a good vibe. I mean, I... I got yeah. a little bit of nervous energy going on from that. I'm not going to lie, man. It was, uh, I'm not used to it. And I have been doing a live show weekly, you know, the finer wings club where it's kind of similar yep, yep. to what we just yep. did on Friday. But would you agree? Like, again, you do live shows often, but to be able to do them with fans around who aren't just around, but they're kind of paying attention to it. It's just adds a different element to, uh, the energy that when you do it, you know? Yeah, it's a cool energy. I have a lot of experience, stage experience, like 20 years of it being on stage and performing. So for me, that kind of is second nature to me. I get I get nervous about other things. So technology working, like stuff working properly, which you can attest to because you're going into the, you know, for the Finer Wings Club, you're going in and setting up your your Roadcaster Pro, you're right. setting up microphones and like when well, something isn't working right, you're freaking out like five minutes before. That's the stuff I more or less get nervous about. And I don't like that stuff kind of throwing me off because like, if I get that feeling of like, like urgency, then it, it kind of takes me off my game a little bit. Um, but you no, know, it's the, the, the crowd adds a really cool vibe, which comes from the super chatters. But yeah, when you're, when there's people in the room, it's just a lot of fun, especially if they're kind of keyed into what you're saying. And there were, to your point, there was like several people on the corners of the table listening to what we were talking about, which was cool. There was. People were taking pictures. People were taking pictures. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Which I generally, I don't like that shit, by the way, Joe, man. I'm telling you, man, I got some I got some pounds to drop. And it just seems like every time a picture of me ends up on Twitter from doing a podcast, it's like the most unflattering picture, the most unflattering angle imaginable. Right. But right, again, right, doing the right. podcast would have been fun no matter what, because I love Drew and Chris. They're 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 fun people. Yeah, I mean, Drew's fun. Drew's a big time character. I love that guy, and it was great to. And that was my first time. Well, actually, I did meet him once before, but we never really had a conversation. So that was the first yeah. time I've ever spent time with him. But John brought another element to the podcast as oh, well. He stole the show. He did. He, stole the he show. totally stole the show. And I talked a little <laughs> bit about it in the intro, like I said before. I'm talking to you right now. But just talk a little bit about John as a person because. For all and look, he is funny and he's quick and, and he's sarcastic and he's a ball buster. But at yep. the same token, I give the guy a lot of credit, not just for the football stuff, because I already talked about that earlier. And I know you feel the exact same way to have the career that he had. And again, to, mm -hmm. to have to replace a legend. I mean, Will Wolford is probably the greatest left tackle yep. ever. And he did yep. such and John did such a good job taking left tackle and running with it for all those years. But I'm not talking about the football side. I think the guy is earned and, and deserves probably more credit because mm. I think he is so engaging with Bill's Mafia, with fans. And again, it doesn't matter if it's pretty well-known, established podcasters like, say, ourselves, or just fans, man. He he mm. is there, and he will take selfies with you. He'll make jokes with yep. you. He'll, he'll respond to you on Twitter. To me, there's not a lot of former Buffalo Bills out there, especially ones that have a name 
like John does that are that are more engaging with fans. And I really, really respect that about him. Yeah, he'll he'll pass his AFC championship ring around the table right. so everybody can touch it and put it on. <laughs> Dude, we went to Vice afterwards. We were supposed to meet up with a couple of the other players that were in town and it didn't work out, but he was staying at Aloft and uh and when basically it, it the conversation went like this. Um, as we're on the skyway, his phone rings and we're talking and he's an open book. He's just having conversation with me and just being a real human being, which is amazing. Cause this is the first time we've met, we've done shows many times and we chat on the phone all the time. We text all the time, but you know, being in person is different. His phone rings, he picks it up. I believe it was Daryl Talley and Daryl's like, yeah, we're all going to bed. And John's like, well, I'm on the skyway. I'm almost there. And like, we're going to like hang out and have drinks. Cause they, the O'Neill thing went long way longer than we expected sure it to. Did. So he was expected to be there way earlier than he was. He goes, I just took a five hour energy. Like, like I'm expected, like hang out with you guys. And like, so we go, it works out. Those guys all go to bed. So John and I end up just being at vice, which is at the bottom of Aloft together, uh, just sipping bourbon, just talking and just shooting, shooting the bowl, like just having a good time, like getting to know each other. And there's another table and like somebody's birthday party. There's like 15 of them. I don't even know how many they were. And they're screaming, going crazy. Happy birthday. It's freaking 1130. He gets up and walks over there, just inserts himself in the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big dude, six foot five. And starts hugging everybody, giving his ring to people, like passing it around. And I'm like, dude, you don't know these people like, from anybody. He is just he just is, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a social butterfly. He's very magnanimous. Like he is, like you said, he's a ball buster. He's got a great personality. He knows how to have a good time and he's not, he doesn't And he, we talked about it privately and I don't want to give away that stuff, but we talked about the fact that he's not disconnected from the fans. Like right. for him, he's a part of Buffalo. He, he told me, he's like, I didn't want to live in Orchard Park. I didn't want to live in East Aurora. I wanted to live downtown. And he did his whole time in Buffalo. He lived downtown. I think he lived his rookie year in Orchard Park in an apartment. And he hated it. So he moved downtown where everybody was and kind of people were. He had friends and like segments of people that like weren't Buffalo Bills fans necessarily. And he could just be himself and like connect to the community. He literally told me Buffalo is his favorite city in the entire country. Like he loves Buffalo more than any other city that there is. He's just he's one of us, which is not an uncommon story right when you think of all the people that came through this town and still live here not Scotty at Bowman, Lindy Bowman, like jim kelly you see tasker like it's just he's one of us now but yeah dude he's he's a lot of fun he's authentic he's authentic if nothing That's else by the way the i mean i people can't see me visually but i'm holding out my hand he has like one of the longest wingspans ever. He put like his arm out like he was blocking. And then I would put my arm. I was like a good foot and a half away from his chest. That's how much yeah. longer his arms are than ours. And by the and, and yeah, and I'm not going to give away the secrets of the podcasting pros here, but let's just say, I mean, you kind of hit on it. O'Neill's went longer than expected. Let's just say that Pat, Joe, John, and Drew, I don't not so much Chris, but let's just say we, we probably drank a couple more points than, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we should have, man, but yeah. And to your point, to your point about Will Wolford, let's, let's add this to John. Cause I was critical of John Fina at times as a bills fan. Not that I had a, t a, a radio show or a podcast back then, but I was critical, but he replaced, like you said, arguably, arguably the best left tackle in bills history. And oh, by the way, in 96, that quarterback that will Wolford blocked for left. And John wasn't left with guys that could operate on the fly or make snap decisions or like make things out of nothing. So he was basically, if, if, if John missed a block or something didn't go right, that dude was going down. 
because he couldn't play football. Right. Whereas like Jim Kelly could, and Will Will Wolford got the block for that guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. You know, so he was fun and and him and Daryl and Antoine Smith, um, they they were signing autographs Saturday morning at practice, which by the way, as we kind of transition, or we will in a minute anyway, to some Buffalo Bills observations that I have. Some of them I've seen with my own eyes at practice. You've been to both open practices so far. I talk pretty regularly with some of the guys who cover the Bills and I, and I pick their brains. I don't know, almost, or at least I try to, at least a few times a week to kind of get a, you know, stay in a loop with what's going on. But so we went to practice Saturday morning, Joe and I, and we sat together. Um, Zach Sheldon, maniac from Trainwreck Sports, ended up joining us as well. And my first thought was, am, is this, well, I don't want to say the Ralph, I, but what is it? Oh, Highmark Stadium. God, I'm not getting used to it. And I hate saying that shit, man. But anyway, so we're sitting there at the stadium, Joe, Zach, myself, a couple other people. Your, your daughter was there. Uh, my friend Jen was there with us. Um, and my thought was, are, we're not at the Ralph. I'm like, are we at Hard Rock Stadium right now? And I say that because no lie, dude, it's 20 after nine. We're sweating. It was Melting. hot as hell out. Hot and <laughs> humid. It was like Florida hot in Buffalo at 930 in the morning. I could not get over how hot it was. I'm a ginger. Like everybody knows I got red hair. Like I, I'm a ginger and I put sunblock on when I, when I got out of the truck and I was n- concerned about getting sunburnt, even with sunblock on. I was like, I put 50 <laughs> SPF 50 on and I was like, and I've been in the sun this summer. And normally if I'm in the sun, I'm good. I put sunblock on and like that sun was beaten down by probably what? 10 30. We'd already been, in the, I'd already been in the stadium for over an hour. I was like, holy crap, I'm going to get roasted today. And uh, luckily I didn't, but yeah, I was, I was nervous. It was freaking hot. My daughter was like, my thighs are like, she was like concerned about her thighs melting into the seat. Like it was, it was hot, dude. It was freaking hot. It was uncomfortably hot. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I didn't even completely make it through the full practice. I got up at one point. I told you that I was going to see a couple other people and I might be back, which I did, but, and I didn't come back because I didn't end up going to sit anywhere. I ended up having a conversation (laughs) with somebody. I met up with them. And I was like kind of looking out through a tunnel and looking yeah. at some of practice that was going on. But yeah, man, you would think, you know, five years in Florida that this would be nothing new, which kind of goes to my point. I always tell people, I don't care if you live in Florida, hot is hot. I don't, you'll never completely get used to it. Just like in Buffalo, you could be here your whole life. There's times in a Buffalo winter where it is so cold out. You don't ever get used to it being that cold. You know what I'm saying? So yep. I couldn't, yep. you would think in Florida, all right, I'm no big deal. This was Saturday morning was no big deal. Well, it was a big deal, man. I was sweaty. My shirt was, my, my shirt was literally drenched. I had this polo shirt on, which was a big mistake. I should have never wore that. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only thing that made it, uh, that made it uh, enjoyable was the fact that as hot as it was, Josh Allen was hotter on the football field. That dude was doing anything he wanted to do, even if he got flushed and the and the offensive line got beat, which they did a lot. He was he was basically wrecking whatever practice plans the coaches had because he was just throwing darts all over the football field and going straight down and scoring touchdowns. He absolutely was he absolutely was. It was really first of all the crowd was really cool. So there were eighteen thousand yeah. people there, more than the first practice, three thousand more, which kind of mm. surprises me. I thought it would be the other way around. And again, you were at the first one. I was not at the first one. So this was actually, I, I was telling my friend Jen, this was the first time I was inside the stadium as a fan watching anything Bills related, probably 10 years, maybe even, long, maybe even longer than that. I'm telling you, the only time I were at Bills games in the last 15 years or so, there was a stretch where I actually covered a team 
and I had a credential, mm-hmm. so I'd be in the press box, but that was different not as a fan. That was the first time I got to sit down and enjoy a, a Bills ball practice as a fan, probably at least 10 years, maybe more. And I was wow. blown away. I mean, look, so I've been back for about a month now, and I talked about this kind of regularly. I struggle a little bit. I'm so happy to be home, and there's so many things that make me happy to be home, but I'm kind of a little bit conflicted, and I don't feel quite at home. I think that changed this weekend. Doing the podcast mm. with you guys on Friday, and and I and I said this on the Rock Power Report, we're talking, and I'm looking out, literally, the way I was seated, mm. I'm literally looking outside the window at the stadium, and I could see the stadium. I thought that was awesome. And mm. again, for the last five years, I obviously followed the Bills very, very closely, but it's not the same. And to be in right. Buffalo and Orchard Park on Saturday with you and a few other people and just walk around the stadium and see thousands and thousands of Bills jerseys and just fans, kids there to watch a practice. I'm like, this is the vibe, man. This is the vibe that I've been missing. This is what I'm waiting for. This, this makes me literally feel like authentically I'm back home. You know what I mean? And it was just, it yeah. was a great feeling. Just, there was a, like a little band going on. There was all kinds of things like that. It just felt like home. It was awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, it, for sure. I, was, I know what you're saying. Cause I spent 13 years in Ohio. So the same thing, like, and there's still at, we've been home for three years and there's still some things that still don't feel like I'm home yet. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. I was a pop by the way, when Josh Allen came out, you knew it was coming. He signed the extension the day. I mean, it was going to come regardless, but uh, you know, that, yeah, that, that crowd, man. Well, they love him, boy. Yeah, it, it was better the first time. I, I I wish there was more anticipation. I wish we had kind of gotten a shot of him coming down the tunnel so that the crowd kind of knew because he just popped out like, and then he ran onto the field. So the crowd kind of almost got caught off guard. But uh, um, I liked the defensive backs entry as well when they all kind of entered, yeah. entered the stadium together. That was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, dude, that's... Uh, the crowd, the crowd loves them, and they should. I'm yeah. excited for the next eight years. Yeah, and like, let's. Let, I'll tell you what. Let's let's get Josh out of the way right now because I think there's other cool. players that are, are. You know, Josh Allen. We don't have to worry about who the quarterback is and how he's going to play. I think we're good with that. And yeah. like you said, we're preaching to the choir right now. Josh, Josh Allen looked incredible Saturday. Um, he's looked really good by all accounts throughout camp. People have written about, and we talked about this a little bit on the show last week that. Uh, you know, typically the offense starts slowing camp and it's usually the defense mm. that looks good early and then the offense starts to catch up as camp goes on. Not the case with the Bills offense, man. Pretty much Mm-mm. from day one, dude has been sharp. And I'll tell you, Joe, I mean, I don't know that his stats are going to improve over 2020 but just because his stats were so good, his numbers were so good. But I'm willing to bet. I'm confident. Like, he's, I think he's going to be a better quarterback this year. Again, maybe the numbers might not show it, but, man, he just looks... He passes the high test more than any quarterback I, I've ever seen in Buffalo, including Jim Kelly, by the way. Jim Kelly, yeah. I mean, Jim Kelly's a Hall of Fame quarterback. And Josh has got a long way to go to get there. But I don't think Jim Kelly, even in his prime, had the kind of skill set that Josh Allen has right now. And it's just fun to watch. Yeah, they're different quarterbacks for sure. sure. I remember, I remember. so I lived in Florida at the time, oddly enough, when Jim Kelly was in his heyday. And so I usually got to go to the last preseason game before my flight would go to Florida um like to go back to high school to go back to school to look because i was living with my mom and basically the starting offensive the starting offense would come on the field for one drive and they go whoop right down the field and they'd score and it'd be over and that was very similar to what it was but josh just operates differently it's just it's just the way that he sees the field is different that his arm talent is completely different we saw it 
I don't know. I, I, I referenced it on my show tonight. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a play that Mitch Trubisky did on the second team offense. There was a Josh Allen play. He got flushed. Randy was right. He had a guy trailing or, or tracking towards the sideline, which is like the quintessential Josh Allen play. I'm rolling to my right. I got a guy heading to the sideline. I'm going to throw a dart and he's going to toe tap. I'm going to get a first down. Trubisky had that entire play lining up perfectly because like the receivers that are on his second team know what Josh do, does. So they're like, they know how to track this ball. Like, oh, I'm going to run to the sideline. He's going to throw me the football. And Trubisky threw it four feet over the guy's head because he either didn't trust the receiver or he didn't trust his arm. So basically, he did all that motion and then threw the ball away. And I promise you, they they sat in the in the film room today, and and Josh was like, you can make that pass. I <laughs> didn't Mitch see it. Like, no, I, I don't no. think I saw it, probably because Maniac was talking my ear off at some points of practice. So <laughs> <laughs> I probably didn't get, didn't get to see it. But in terms of the contract extension, I mean, by this point, people are listening on Tuesday. That was last Friday. The extension yeah. itself is old news. But, like, what was your knee-jerk reaction at the time? And also, isn't it telling to you that how many of his teammates – look, I know they say the right things in public or mm. on Twitter and the media, but you mm. could just – you could kind of – you could smell bullshit. You know what I mean? When, when you hear oh, yeah. it, there ain't no jealousy. There's no – no one's envious. It's like legitimate, authentically. These guys are happy for him. That's what it feels yeah. like to me. You kind of, I'm sure you feel the same way, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. When I saw the contract numbers, I was pleased as punch. I mean, six years, that number wasn't more than Mahomes because he hasn't really done more than Mahomes has done at this point. Um, even without the Super Bowl, he hasn't done more than Mahomes has done. So for me, I wanted six years. There was people calling, thought it was going to be four. Some people thought it would be longer because of Mahomes deal. I felt it was going to be six. Um, so I was pretty pleased with that. I like the fact that his guaranteed money is the most in it for any player in NFL history. So that kind of gives him that like, oh, I ha I am number one here, but obviously I'm not necessarily ready to be number one in, in total salary. Uh, I thought the number was right. I thought the years were right. Um, and as far as the players go and, and like the conversation, it's funny that you say that because in his presser, he admitted to being nervous. Like, well, we'll go the last couple of weeks. It's kind of been heating up and I've been a little bit anxious and had some anxiety. So like to know that it's done and I can just get to football is great because that's the complete opposite of what he said last week when he's like, well, you know what? We're far apart. And if it happens this year, it happens. I don't really care. Right. And, it's, and then you find out, oh, you did care. You cared a lot, actually, like well, so much so that your agent called you at three forty five in the morning to tell you that it was done. Well, I'll tell you what, man, if he if he's been suffering from nervousness and anxiety over his contract leading up and it still looked the way he has in camp. I right. think maybe every Saturday night the Bills should do something to get his ass, you know, anxious and nervous. So he'll play like that on Sunday. You know, so the worry wart in me, the natural. And we talked about this again a little bit last week on Rock Power Report. By nature, I tend to be a little bit of a pessimist just because being a lifelong Buffalo sports fan, mm. just so many bad things have happened. Mm. And it's easy to say, all right, well, the guy's been in the league for three years. He had one very kind of crappy rookie year, which in fairness to him was more of a product of the team just not being very good. Plus, he was the kind of quarterback who was not going to step in as a rookie and be great. He was going to have to learn how to play the game which he obviously mm -hmm. has year two, pretty damn good. You know, mm -hmm. not great, not, not always consistent, but he flashed a lot of ability. And then last year it wasn't flashes anymore. You know, you don't, he wasn't flashing ability. He has the ability That's right. and he put it together and we saw it, but based on one MVP worthy season where he finished second in the voting, he's getting 43 million a year. It's a lot yep. of money. 
the 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 worry word in me worries about that a little bit. But then just as quick as you start to worry, you say, listen, you, we've waited a very long time for a quarterback like Josh Allen to come to Buffalo. You get it done now, lock it up. And again, everything I see right now, I, I don't know statistically if he's going to be better, but I think he's going to be as good or maybe even a better quarterback numbers aside, just based on his skill set, man, and, and his uh, his toughness and, and his, his uh, willingness, his eagerness to want to get better. He wants it. And you could sense that when he talks. Mm -hmm. he, he's hungry. He's hungry as hell, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't know that I can even add to anything that you just said. You just said it so well. He I he basically is Buffalo. I mean, he literally when you when you epitomize and you talk about what we are, I'm a son of Buffalo, you're a son of Buffalo. Um and we understand, you know, what this town has gone through and this city has gone through and all the heartaches and all the heartbreaks and all the media backlash and calling us Siberia and who wants to move to Buffalo. It's the armpit of America. I mean, you're taught this kid embodies everything that we are. You know, he's at Derek Carr's football camp when he's in high school and he's off with the other kids that don't have as much talent. Right. So even from there, like he goes to high school, nobody wants him. He goes to Juco. Nobody wants him, but one college it's Wyoming. He goes to Wyoming. He comes into the NFL and it's like, it's hit or miss the people that, you know, the one guy's pining for him, Mel Kuyper. He's the only one, which a lot of people think Mel's a joke, right? I mean, Mel's not exactly Pat McShay or some of these other guys that people kind of get they get respect. Uh, and then his first year, he's hammered and hammered and hammered. His second year, he's hammered and hammered and hammered. He's going into his third year. Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders said, you know, said that like this is a Super Bowl caliber roster, except for Josh Allen. If this if this team didn't have Josh Allen on it, they'd be a Super Bowl team. I mean, every step of the way, just like us, he is one of us. I can't. I can't imagine a better kid to be in this town than this guy. Like he is just, he's one of us in every way. And it, it goes back to what the, the whole Dable story about the whole, you know, anybody that's been fired, sit down and, you know, and then everybody sat down. Anybody that's not a first round draft pick, sit down. And Josh, the only one standing in the room, that's an offensive player. And he said, Josh, how many offers did you have coming out of high school? And he said, none. And it's like, we're all the same basically is what, you know, he's just Dable's like letting everybody know that like you all can be that guy. If you work hard enough and you want it bad enough, you can be Josh Allen too. Like, Dude, it's a, it's a compelling story. This 30 for 30, this NFL films, like true story, whatever they call that, it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. Like whatever story, whatever, whatever comes out of Josh Allen's career is going to be fun to watch later on when we're all almost dead. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and you, and you bring up a, a really good point because yeah, you look at him now, you look at the size and the stature and his skill set, and mm -hmm. you're like, well, he was destined for greatness. But that was not the case, dude. He, no. You know, a Juco player, man, with no scholarships. And even after Juco, he got one scholarship. And yep. one last thing, too, and then we'll move on to some other players and positions. But I, I, I kind of hit in at this a little bit on the Rock Power Report. I want to bring this up again on my show now. When you get a guy who three years into the NFL has accomplished what he's accomplished, it is more than just Josh Allen. And this is the, the mm -hmm. organization deserves a hell of a lot of credit for trading up to get him very mm -hmm. strategically as well. He was their guy. They traded up to get him. And once they got him, they didn't just draft the quarterback and say, okay, we got our quarterback, go out and win. They knew they had to get better in a lot of areas. They knew the wide receiver position was a weak spot on this team in 2018. And they mm -hmm. changed that over the course so of two the years. Yeah, the offensive, the offensive line. line, absolutely. So they have done an, an amazing job. They have put Josh Allen in positions where he could succeed, whereas there's other quarterbacks on other teams 
I'll use Sam Darnold as an example. And I'm certainly not saying Sam Darnold's a better quarterback than Josh Allen. He's not. I think if they were both mm. on the same team with the same system, I think 10 out of 10 times Josh Allen's a better quarterback. But my point was, Sam Darnold was kind of put in a position to fail. He was, what, the third mm. overall pick by the Jets and just mm. had a bunch of crap around him for a few years. They didn't build a, a good system around him. You know, and then obviously he, to a large extent, he failed. Not the mm. case with Josh Allen. Football's a team sport, Joe. You know this. And you're good friends with John Fina. And, and I'm sure John's told you this, but you don't win without an offensive line. You don't win right. without an offensive line. You don't win without guys who can catch the ball, guys who can run routes, guys you can trust to make plays. So as much as I love Josh Allen, I also give a hell of a lot of credit to McBean and to a lot of oh, these yeah. players because... You know, there was this, we, we saw it earlier in the offseason, Diggs made Allen, or Allen made Diggs, blah, blah, blah. Those guys yep, both yep, make yep. each other better. They make each other better. So it was such a stupid debate. But you know what I'm saying? This is a big-time yeah. organizational victory from, as far as I'm concerned. You agree with that, right? I think, yeah, totally. I think, And I think a word that's going to get defined or we're going to come to the realization because there's been a lot of conversation about words like momentum and culture, and it's been made fun of, you know, on, on by local media types here in Buffalo over the last 17 years, the 17 years prior to Josh getting here, because like, you know, every coach that comes in says, we're going to change the culture and blah, 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 momentum. So people make fun of it and don't think it's real. Another one of those words is continuity. And that's what you're talking about. The fact that he's been in the same system with the same offensive coordinator with the same head coach. This will be his fourth season. We're going to find out if continuity is a real word. Like if that word really means something, we're going to find out. But what they did with this kid, I mean, he came in in 2018. We all know that. And he is not the same quarterback today that he was. The only part that is the same for him today that was back then is the kid wants to win more than anything else. And what he's learned back then was my offensive line sucks. Four of my five in front of me were not in the NFL in 2019. So basically only one. And they got rid of that guy. Right. Like, like. I mean, think about that. Four of the offensive linemen protecting him in 2018 were not in the NFL in 2019. His, his his wide receivers were trash. What did he do? He went out there. He wouldn't even hit his back, back foot on a seven-step drop, and he'd be gone, which is why he was beating defenses with his legs because they were like, why is this kid running? He didn't even hit his back, his back foot yet. And then he transferred to 2019, and they like started coaching him up. Hey, use your players. We're going to get you some guys. We're going to get you some help. We've got Nicole Beasley, right? John Brown. We put some different offensive linemen. Like you, but he was still a little skittish. And then 20 comes in, and he's learning. I have all the skills that I need. I just need to make. I need to use them. Like if I if I if I put me plus them, I could be great versus all me. And 18, it was all Josh Allen. Whereas now it's. I mean, you're seeing him flourish because there's a team around him and there's continuity around him, and he's got he understands the system. I mean, I think Dable said it like Josh knows the system as well as he does at this point. Like, like he is the system. Like Josh has it, which is exciting to hear coming into 2021. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back with Joe Miller. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk wide receiver for a position or uh, for a minute here. I got these mm. kind of like random notes, no real rhyme or reason to them for the most part. But one thing I wrote down, and, and I think I might have even told you this Saturday during practice. And I don't know, I'm not saying you said it, but there are, or there used to be some people out there. I've, I've looked at some 53-man roster projections that don't have Isaiah McKenzie on there. I'm going to tell you this right now on this podcast. Short of getting hurt, Isaiah McKenzie ain't getting cut, all right? So if you think anyone out there thinks that there is a legitimate positional battle going on between Isaiah McKenzie and Marquez Stevenson, and one of those guys are going to make the roster and the other one's not, stop, all right? Ain't a real battle. It's a media, it's a fan-driven, uh, creative battle. Isaiah McKenzie will be on this team. And Stevenson, minus some injuries, you know, because that could happen. I think he's a guy that they expose the waivers. I don't think anyone's going to sign him and put him on their 53. And if they do, power to him. He's the kind of guy that you get on the practice squad. He might be a good player in the future, but he yeah. ain't. Listen, Isaiah McKenzie is going to be that wide receiver five. He's going to return punts. Not sure yet about kicks. Isaiah McKenzie ain't going nowhere. That's my point. Yeah, no, I, so I was on the, so it's pure speculation and it's basically driven off of, you know, what you've seen the bills do before. So for me, I was, my first roster projection was Isaiah McKenzie off this team, primarily because I didn't feel like necessarily that like just one game in 2019 or 2020 against the dolphins was enough for the bills to be like, no, no, we got this whole punt returner kick returner thing figured out. I mean, they drafted Stevenson for a reason. They brought in, uh, who's the Brandon kid. They brought in the other kid, uh, to, the, to, to field that stuff. Powell, too, to, to kind of, yeah. Brandon, Brandon Powell. Powell. Yeah. I was going to say Powell, but I was questioning myself. So I didn't, <laughs> uh, like to, the, you know, they brought in Brandon Powell to kind of like to kind of test that Tanner Gentry has some return, uh, history. There's another kid on the roster that returned kicks and punts in college. So for me, it was it more came down to the Bills have have only cut two of their draft picks since McBean have, have been here. Mm-hmm. So chances are they're going to keep Stevenson. And they're they're going to give that kid a chance. But at this point in time, after what I've been watching through camp and what I've seen in practice, outside of Stephon Diggs, I don't know of a wide receiver on this football team that's walking around that football field with the confidence that Isaiah McKenzie has. That dude, yet on Saturday, he was just walking. Like, you could see it in the way he walked. Great how point. confident he was. He was just like, I'm the man. I'm, I mean, Stephon Diggs is standing there, but I'm the man. I mean, it's almost like kind of how it was. Uh, he didn't drop a punt. 
Uh, I saw Stevenson drop one punt, and then uh, he picked it back up. He, he he got it back in. But, no, I agree with you at this point in time. This is definitely Isaiah McKenzie's job to lose, if that makes any sense. I think there's no way he's not on this roster, and Stevenson is probably head of the practice squad, yeah. That's a great point you made, by the way. I, I kind of – I didn't think of it until you just said it, but now that you say it, I do recall mm-hmm. Isaiah McKenzie having some serious swag going on at practice. Oh, yeah. He feels oh, good, yeah. man, and, and I think he should. To me, yeah. at wide receiver right now, to me, the real battle is if they keep six, and, and maybe they keep seven, but if they keep six, I, I think Isaiah mm-hmm. Hodgkins versus Jake Kumaro yeah. is is the real battle. And I'm not sure, to be honest with you, I don't know how much or how good either of those guys are at special teams. That might factor if you're going to be the sixth wide receiver. But if they keep mm-hmm. six, do you think that's the real battle? And who of those two do you like more? And also, this is because this kind of ties into it. We watched on Saturday Duke Williams catch a touchdown in the flat. So yep. Duke Williams is still there. Do you think he's a viable candidate if they keep six or even if they keep seven? So, uh, yeah, I guess give me your take on Duke Williams. I don't see it. I see Hopkins versus Gumero. I don't know what you see. Yeah, I don't see Duke in that in that conversation. It's gonna be it's gonna be Hodgins versus Kumaro. And Kumaro is that guy, right? And you talked about it when we were on the Rock Power Report. He just flashes like when he's on the field on Saturday, he flashed when he was on the field. Like he was, he seemed quick and like he made he he caught three balls, dropped one. And some people are like, Oh, he dropped a pass. He didn't really drop it. It was over his head. He kind of reached out for it. And like, it just kind of tipped off of his fingers and an, and an announcer in a football game would be like, you should have caught that. The reality is, is if you're down by 10, he should have caught it. If you're up by 12, it wouldn't, have, it's just an incomplete pass. It wasn't, right. I didn't, I didn't think bad about it at all. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins didn't do much in that practice that we watched. Like there, he wasn't overly showcased. I remember them throwing him one football and Trubisky, th- and it was a bad pass. Like the bat, the pass that Trubisky threw was kind of behind him into the defender. And Hodgins really didn't have a chance to use any of his skill set, arm length, anything to kind of to, to corral the ball as far as ball placement. What's interesting to me, and this is what I would say: What do we know about Jake Kumaro? We know that Aaron Rodgers loves him and wants him, covets him on his football team. And it all, And we also know this. We also know that there are spies in the NFL. We know that in the NFL, when there's open practices and training camps, that other teams send people to these camps and training and practices to, like, watch players and see and watch schemes and see, like, so the Patriots were probably, there was probably a Patriots representative at that practice on Saturday watching what what the bill, how they were lining up and doing different stuff. There very well could have been a, a, a Packers person there to see what was going on with Kumaro. And I'm going to ask you this question. Did it not feel like they were showcasing Kumaro a little bit? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it kind of felt like they were purposefully targeting Kumaro just a little bit. So I'm not saying that they were, but it would not surprise me if they get something for Kumaro before it's over. But that kid looked good. He looked, he flashed. He looked really, really good. To say that Kumaro can end up with a be a trade to the Packers it just sounds so obvious that it's almost like stupid to say, but right. it could happen. It legitimately right. could happen. And with Isaiah Hutchins, again, you know, when, when you cover the Bills or when you're a fan of the team, you think more about these players probably than people around the league might. If Isaiah Hutchins, let's just say, for an example, let's say, let's say we're right, and it does mm-hmm. come down to them two for a battle, and they keep six, all right? Mm-hmm. And let's say they give the nod to Jake Kumaro, which means they wave. Isaiah Hodgins, I would say probably there's a 70 to 80% chance that he's going to clear waivers and up back in Buffalo and on the practice squad. If he can't be yeah. one of Buffalo's top six receivers, do you think there's another team that's going to put him right on the 53? It could happen, but. 
that's hard because this this they've got they're, they're so deep and like you're talking about six guys save Kumaro the five guys in front of them are good on any roster they're starting on any football team the thing about Isaiah so I, I it's hard for me with Isaiah Hodges because I know Isaiah personally um and so I'm rooting for the kid right and there's an aspect to me like when I I talked about it on Friday. His body style and his body makeup is just different than everything else they have on this football team. I don't know if you paid attention. You probably didn't because he you're not looking for him. When he's on the sideline, he's two, three inches taller than everybody else around him. He yeah. just he's built differently. And for me, I think that's something that the the Bills have talked about having bigger, lengthy, kind of like radius receivers in the past. Um, especially when they had the Smurfs out there. That was a big funny thing, is like they didn't have any tall receivers. Um, so I think there's something to be said that the bills want Isaiah Hodgins. The question is, is what is another, what does another front office think when they think, well, look at the six they kept. There's no way that the seventh guy is bad, right? Sure. Because they got 12. I think they got 12 wide receivers in camp. So they're going to be cutting loose a ton of guys. And there's rumors out there that Tanner Gentry could end up playing for somebody like the decades a gamer and he's good. Now the other guys that are out there, probably not, but it'll be Stevenson, I think goes to the practice squad It'll be interesting to see what happens between Kumaro and Hodgins. And I'm rooting for both of them. It's hard not to, which is weird because that means they're keeping seven and they're already stacked at defensive line and offensive line. They can't keep they can't keep more than normal at, at all these positions, position groups. They just can't. Right. I agree. And yeah, look, it can end up being seven and maybe both of them end up making the team. I do think Stevenson is is very likely going to end up on the practice mm. squad, although you do bring up a good point. Brandon Bean does like to put draft picks on the roster. I think the difference between now and a couple of years ago is this team is just so much better and it's so much harder to make this team than it was one or especially two years ago. Uh, one last yeah. wide receiver note. So there was no, on, on Saturday's practice, no, Cole Beasley was out there, but he didn't practice. And uh, no Emmanuel Sanders again, who still got the foot thing going on. I was paying a lot of attention to Gabriel Davis. I like mm. this guy a lot, man. I really oh, yeah. like him a lot. I think I think he's in line for an improved second year, which would be good. Cause I mean, he had 35 catches for just under like 600 yards and five touchdowns as a rookie last year. He was huge in that indie playoff game too. I mm -hmm. like this kid, man. And I, I like the way he was moving out there. I know he caught a couple passes over the middle from Josh during, uh, during practice. I think this kid's going to be a good football player. I really do. I don't think last year was some kind of rookie fluke. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to build off that. Yeah, he's doing, uh, I saw a clip or somebody say that he's doing Duke things. He's doing all the things that we wanted Duke to do, like those highly contested catches right. on the sideline where somebody's got to body somebody out, and which is different than what they would ask Isaiah Hodges to do. They would almost ask, oh, goodness, I'm going to, I can't remember his name. Who was the, uh, who was the wide receiver that the Bills took second over, uh, sec in the second round? He actually killed himself uh, He uh, not too long ago. Tall guy. James Hardy. Uh, James Hardy. They want Isaiah to be that guy, to be in the end zone, jumping really high over top of everybody else and taking the ball out of the air. That's what they're like Plaxico Burris type stuff. Mm -hmm. That's what the, whereas Gabe Davis are looking for something different out of him, which is more the Duke Williams stuff. Gabe to me has to take that next step because Emmanuel Sanders isn't young and neither is Cole Beasley. And you got to wonder too, in this conversation, as much as I would have said, absolutely not a month and a half ago, you know, is Isaiah McKenzie capable potentially of taking that spot from Cole Beasley next year? I think Cole's here this year, but is he capable of taking it next year? I don't know, but I I love Gabe Davis too. But yeah, I'd love to see him 
take another step and, and be dominant. I think he's got all the potential in the world. He's got what it takes. He knows he understands Josh. He understands his movement. He understands what's trying, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch him this year for sure. I'm looking forward to, I think he's going to be a, I think he's going to have a good sophomore year. Uh, yeah. spend a minute on the running backs here. Mm. I think Antonio Williams and I, and I've told you this, man, I lo- I like him. I like him. And I, I think him, not. I think him versus Matt Breida for that RB three position. I think that's a legitimate battle. Now I know they brought in Breida as a free agent and by a mm. lot of accounts from our, what I've read, he's looked good in camp. But I like Antonio Williams. And I'll tell you, Joe, I think RB3 on this team matters. Basically, these two guys are fighting it out, to, to, in my opinion, to be the TJ Eldon of this team. Because you got your first yep. two guys, and then you got your third guy who might be inactive, or he only gets a couple snaps. But one of these two guys are going to win that job. And with Moss and Singletary, who both seem like they're, uh, I don't want to say they're injury prone, but they have had injuries. So that mm. RB3 position could end up mattering. I think that's, this might be my favorite battle, actually going into the preseason right now between Antonio Williams and, and Breida. And everyone assumes it's going to be Breida, but don't sleep on Antonio Williams. I like this kid a lot. I This is that moment where football politics comes into play with me because I don't know I don't know what the Bills are going to do because I don't know that I saw anything out of Moss and Singletary on Saturday that made me go, yes! Like, meanwhile, Antonio Williams had the one run where he cut back and he cut back to his right and found the open hole. That was a tight hole. The vision was perfect and the lane was perfect. And like he took out and he took off with it. it. It goes back to that. As much as I said, I'm not sure the bills could like make a decision for 2021 based off of one game for Isaiah McKenzie. I almost think you could for Antonio Williams. That dude played like he wanted to play football against the dolphins. And he played that way on Saturday. He was a motor and he was trying to truck people. Moss and Singletary, I don't even remember Singletary being on the field. Do you remember Singletary being on the field? I, he was running I mean, primarily with the twos. I, I do. He ran the he ran the ball a couple times. No success. But in fairness to him, he was also the, sec, the second the team there. offense. The second team offense was awful. Yeah, they the were. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the offense. The second team offensive line was horrible. They were really yeah, bad. The, but but the first team running game was awful as well. Moss had no success. Like I think they ran the ball to the left three times and gained a yard at one point in time. And then they reset something or did something different, but it's like that's that place clearly. I don't know what they were trying to figure out in that moment, but obviously the coaches are trying to do something when they're trying to do things like that. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, does Antonio Williams? I'm going to say something crazy. Does he work his way up this roster, like, or is it political? And it's like, no, no, no. Moss and Singletary are guys, right? I mean, because to me, the vision piece that I saw on Saturday and the vision piece that we saw in Week 17 was better than the vision stuff we've seen out of Moss, I think, and potentially Singletary, but. I, I don't know. Breida didn't impress me either. I don't. I guess all that to say this: this is just a crapshoot. This whole wide or running back room, in my opinion. I think, and I know a lot of people are going to think I'm stupid for saying this. I think Devin Singletary might be the fourth best running back on this team right now. First of all, when it, between Moss and Singletary, I like Zach Moss. I like mm-hmm. him by a substantial margin as well. Devin Singletary, maybe he starts the year as a, and I'm using air quotes here as a starter. But when right. when the games matter. And the drives matter. I think you're going to see Zach Moss out there more. I think he's going to get more touches. And I think yeah. he's going to get more meaningful playing time. And I'm telling you, man, like Antonio Williams runs powerfully. Matt Breida right. is fast. Zach Moss is a good pass catcher. And he can get those tough yards. He's a And he's good near the end zone. There's nothing mm-hmm. about Devin Singletary's game that sticks out for me. 
Nothing. If they're not going to run, if they're not going to run screenplays, no, there's not. If, they, yeah. if they're going to, if they're going to bring back screenplays and 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 running back curl routes and stuff like that, then yeah, let's let's keep Devin on this football team because he's going to make a first guy miss in space every time, I, every single time. They're not going to put a hand on him. But if you're going to try to run him up the middle or run a wide zone with him, forget it. Why do it? Why try? I can't get over the fact that it just seems like this team also has such a short leash and no confidence. I mean, he dropped that up that screen pass in Kansas City in yep, the AFC yep, Championship. Yep. And that was pretty much a wrap for him, you know? That was a wrap. I wouldn't, look, I'm not quite willing at this point to say that I think Devin Singletary could end up getting cut, but I will mm. I will say that if it were to happen, I would not be stunned. I would not be stunned if it was Moss, Williams, and Brita as the top three. And then I think Tawan Jones, because they're going to keep four running backs, and I think Jones yeah, is going to make Jones. the team because he's such a, a special team stud. But anyway, at least Agreed. for, and it's possible, who knows? I mean, we, you never know what this team's doing. Yep, but yep. Yep. I, I think, and I said this on, uh, I think I said this on the Rock Power Report. I, if Antonio Williams gets cut by the Bills, I think someone's going to pick him up. Like we're talking about Hodgins, maybe sneak it through to the practice squad, Stevenson. I don't think you're going to get that with Antonio Williams. I think if he gets yeah, cut, somebody's picking him up. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, running backs don't matter all that much in this offense, but hopefully they can run the ball more effectively. John talked about that on the Rock Power Report a lot too, just being able to run the ball better. He thinks that's very important for the team this year. Oh, and yeah. a lot of that falls, of course, on the offensive line, which um, I, I guess my notes, the, the biggest thing that I scribbled in my notes is let's not lock Cody Ford in right now as a starter. If you're running him down as a starter on your depth chart, do it in pencil. Don't do it in pen. Yeah. He played, uh, he was playing right guard at practice. In fact, um, Ike Bacher was playing left guard. I think he's more likely to, at this point. If I had to bet right now and go to Vegas, I, I would pick like Bacher to be the the starting left guard. They were kind of rotating Cody Ford and, and Feliciano. Actually, yep. Feliciano was playing left guard, left rotating guard. with Bacher while Cody Ford was playing uh, right guard. Yep. Which, to me, it's weird. There, there's three guys, and I think this is now, I didn't think it was earlier, but I think this is now a legitimate competition at guard, those three guys for two spots. It's got to be because it it's not good enough, and we saw it. It's, we saw it not be good enough again on Saturday at some point. And I know that Dawkins didn't play, and I don't know at what point are we starting to get concerned about Deion Dawkins, who has been on the COVID list for two weeks, right? So, sure. um, you know, and we don't have any medical information on him, so all we can do is hope and pray that he's okay and whatever he's going through, he's gonna you know he's gonna recover. Um, but you know, Daryl Williams wasn't there either, which doesn't bode well. But I don't know that Spencer Brown looked bad and that Doyle kid looked bad either uh, as far as that goes, but uh, I'm on, I'm on, I'm, I'm where you're at. I just don't know that for it, it, this is what I would say. I, I don't remember if I said it on Friday or not. There was a conversation. Dable was asked about Cody Ford and he got noticeably uncomfortable that they were going to ask him a question. He didn't even hear the question yet, but they said something to the effect of in regards to Cody Ford. And he immediately was almost like, how am I going to answer this question? Right. Like he started shuffling and then he got himself comfortable and then answered the question, which to me says a lot. Now, I'm not a body language watcher, but I was like, whoa, hey, Mr. Shifty McShifterson, like he was back and then forward again. And like I was like, it was interesting to me. I agree with you. I think that I, I don't think they know what to do with Cody other than we spend a second round draft pick on this kid. And this is where football politics comes into play. And it's like, what are we going to do with him? Right. I, I could see him at this point being maybe one of those swing guards who, who backs up both positions. Maybe. I mean, he has played some right tackle. If Spencer Brown ends up not quite ready to play as a rookie and something mm -hmm. goes down, maybe uh, they play forward there. 
I don't know, man. Who knows? Every year there's a there's a cut that kind of shocks you. Who knows, man? Maybe mm-hmm. Cody Ford's that guy. Maybe he's just not a good fit for this football team, man. So I don't know. I, I still I I've had reservations we'll about the offensive line, and, and I still do. I mean, I think they'll. I, well, of course they got to get Deion Dawkins back. Darrell Williams just had a rest day on Saturday. I had looked it up because yeah, I was like, yeah. I was a little bit worried about him not being out there and, and pro. Well, he was out there, but not practicing. But that was just a. A maintenance. Same with Star, too. right? Star, yep, Star same, Latula, same for Star right? Star yep. 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 Same yep. thing for him and Cole Beasley. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So on the defensive side of the ball, just spend a minute talking about the defensive line because mm-hmm. what I noticed at practice and, and, I, and I've been reading a lot about it too over the last week or so. So Gregory Rizzo was the first round pick. And, and yep. of course, Carlos Basham was the second round pick. But what we heard a lot of was Basham is the one who's more NFL ready to play, whereas Rizzo mm-hmm. is more green and it's going to be the bigger project. Well, I'll tell you what, man, based on what I saw at practice, that ain't the case. Gregory Rizzo's <laughs> out there. He's clearly right now, Gregory Rizzo is clearly ahead of Basham on the depth chart for now. Now, of course, Jerry Hughes still has not practiced yet. I don't know if we're quite ready to be concerned about that or not. But Rizzo and Obata were taking turns playing with the yeah. first uh, unit defensive end alongside Addison, whereas, like I said, Basham was knocking in a lot of run at all. At this point, it's yeah, but, clearly Rajo ahead of him. Yeah, is it, but is is it a situation where he's better and he's ahead of him, or are they just going to give him every opportunity to kind of find his legs and and I, I, I mean, you know, the best players will play is what we're told. The best players will play, and meanwhile, they truck Brian Winters out there for four or five games, like right. Meanwhile, Vlad Dukas was on this football team, so the best players don't always play. We know that for a fact that the best players don't always play. So I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I just, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't, I mean, I got to think that he's a first round draft pick and as much as they know he needs work and he's, you know, I don't think they're going to hide him on the bench. I think they're going to put him out there and they're going to see what he's got, especially with Jerry being out. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Jerry comes back. When Jerry comes back, how that kind of that, that roster depth chart thing kind of shakes up if it shakes up at all. Um, cause he's playing in, he's playing in Jerry's spot right now. I know that. And like, like you said, he's rotating with Obata. I think both of them make this football team. Obviously I think Obata makes the team. Um, I don't know. I, I can't wait to see him in a more refined it's dude. Those practices are hard to watch. It's I'm looking sure. forward to the preseason games because you, you're going to get replays. I'm going to record it. I can back, you know, back it up and watch it again, back it up, watch it again, back it up, watch it again, kind of see what's going on. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this Friday's football game for more reasons than the bills are playing football again. I, that's one of the position groups that I want to watch bad is when Basham versus Rousseau versus Obata are out there for it, sure. It makes no financial sense whatsoever. And we discussed a little bit on the rock power report last week, but man, there's just something about mm-hmm. the makeup of this roster that has me thinking Mario Addison could be in trouble and it wouldn't be a financial thing because they would have to eat like $6 million in dead cap money to save yep, $2 yep. million against the cap. So it's not like a big financial decision, but right. I just look at these defensive ends and I really like the way Albada's looked from what I saw yep. with my own eyes. What little I saw. I mean, I want to sit there and act like I've seen him play a yeah. hundred reps because I haven't. But again, a lot of people are talking about Joe B. Sal. A lot of these guys are talking about how good he's looked. Hughes is going to be back. So yep. I, I I don't know, man, because I think Daryl Johnson may prove to be this team's most difficult roster cut because I because just because he's so good on special teams. Plus, he's not a terrible defensive end either. 
So yeah, Perino, Perino was talking about that. I think on Friday he was talking about the fact that, or on on no, it was Friday he was talking about the that that Daryl Johnson had a really great day at defensive end on Friday. So it's right. to your point, and he and he is a huge special teams contributor. And the Bills, I mean, he's a another Bills draft pick, right? So Addison, I think, is in trouble. And we talked about it on Friday. I think if Addison goes, it's not going to be because of cap situations or money. It's going to be because they're going to go with the youth movement, and it's very very possible that they're going to go with the youth movement. Um, it'll be, yeah, more this camp stuff, man, all of it's, it's going to be interesting to see how many, how many things can you end with? It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. I think maybe how AJ Epinesa looks over the next few weeks and how much confident they have in him having a larger role right now to start Mm. the year that may determine if they keep Addison. Cause again, Hughes will be back. He's going to be fine. Now, if you trust AJ Epinesa to, to play and play well, that affords you to be able to get rid of, of Mario Addison, because then you do have Rizzo and Basham and F.A. Yep, Obata yep. And, and, and potentially Daryl Johnson. So I think A.J. Epinesa is going to play a role in what they decide with uh, Mario Addison, because, look, I, I, I don't see them keeping seven defensive linemen. I mean, defensive mm-hmm. ends. I shouldn't say linemen. Right, no. Seven no, defensive ends. Hughes is a lock. A.J.'s a lock. Rizzo, yes. Boogie, they're locks. I think Obata, yep. I think he's kind of a near, I don't think he's a lock, but I think he's a near lock, man. So yeah, I think they, he, he fits the prototype of where they wanted to go this year. Yep. It's clear where they wanted to go this year, length and speed. And that's what they wanted. And that's what they got. Right. Yeah. And it, look, so the only other thing is potentially if they keep all seven defensive ends, maybe they only keep three tackles and, uh, or Joe B even suggested that maybe they actually have 11 defensive linemen, which, and then one less corner or something on the roster, which I don't yeah. see that happening because of special teams reasons. John talked about that on the right. rock power report as well. I think another uh, on the defensive tackle position, man, I, I think if play matters more than positional size right now with defensive tackle, mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, I like Justin Zimmer, man, and I think he's got a real chance to make this team over Harrison Phillips, who's a very popular player for the Bills, but I'm just reading that he's just been all right. And uh, and Vernon Butler, who, by the way, left practice Saturday um, with the head injury. I don't know if that's serious yeah. or not, but, uh, you know, Oliver at Oliver and star are locks. And, and my point is if they keep four, you got Phillips Butler and Zimmer to fight for two spots. Or if they keep only three, you know, I, I like, put it this way. Here's what I'm telling you, Joe. I like Justin Zimmer. Dude <laughs> makes too. plays, man. He makes plays. <laughs> I think maybe the ability for guys like Obata or Rizzo to be able to slide in and play some on the inside, that might factor in how many defensive tackles they keep. Yeah. It's, it's, this is where it's going to start getting difficult because, Guys are going to be moved off this roster that we really, really like and we really want to see succeed. And Harrison Phillips is one of those guys. And Justin Zimmer, too. I mean, Justin Zimmer is going to go down in, in trivia, Buffalo Bills trivia folklore, right? It, with, that, with that punch out that he had last year against the against the Patriots. Um, he looked good on Saturday. Like the, the times when he was in, you noticed he was in. I noticed him more than I noticed Ed Oliver on Saturday, which is interesting. Like he seemed to flash a little more than Ed, Ed Oliver did. Uh, Harrison Phillips clearly has put on some weight some muscle he's bigger this year than he was last year you got to think he's fully healthy with both of his knees this year um i think vernon butler's gone i don't think vernon butler makes this football team that's just me um but it's going to be i mean if you're talking about the bubble players it's going to be zimmer versus harrison right yeah i think so as well um two more things and then we'll wrap this up here so defensive backs i could see the bills making a move for a uh a veteran corner I do. 
Who though? That's a so I I, I I've know. heard this a, a couple times, but who's out there for them to go get and and what capital? I mean, obviously they've got capital, they've got they've got depth, but they're gonna. I mean, do they find a perfect marriage of somebody that needs a defensive t- a defensive end or somebody that needs an offensive player or a weapon? Like right? Well, that's Brandy Bean's job. <laughs> I don't right. know. The answer to your right. question, which is a very legitimate question, is I don't know. I don't think there's any free agents out there, but there's going to be right. a couple guys who get cut. I just. So you got your starters. Wallace, he's starting, or I think he is anyway. I'm not completely writing off Dane Jackson at this point. I didn't. But, I didn't see Dane Jackson flash on Saturday, but nope. I saw Levi Wallace do exactly what Levi Wallace does, which is let it, the guy let his man catch the ball and tackle him. That's that's what <laughs> Levi does. He catches the ball, I tackle him, and it's yeah. And John Fina at one point, because I called, I was talking. We were talking about it because John likes Levi because he went to. Uh, Arizona State, which right. is where John went. Mm-hmm. Um, it, John's like, how do you know that that's not what they're asking him to do? And I'm like, why would they not ask him to challenge the the quarterback's pass? Like, it seems like that's what you would want. You'd want him to challenge the throw. He's like, they might be asking him to let him catch it and tackle him. And I'm like, that seems out of that seems ridiculous, but okay. I mean, right. maybe they are asking. Well, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're good, man. Well, I I think he's starting, and obviously Trey White's a starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teron Johnson is the nickel guy. And Dane Jackson, look, I, I do think they like Dane. In fact, I, I think they like him enough that when it came to the draft and it got to the third and fourth rounds, there were corners out there. But they said, we pro- I think they were probably saying, all right, I like Dane Jackson more in year two than I like a rookie in round three or four. Right. So we'll draft more on the right. offensive line. But I've read, and again, this is not me with my own eyeballs, but I've read from multiple people and heard that Dane Jackson has had a pretty up and down, very inconsistent camp. And if you're trying to win a job or win extended right. playing time, you better be good in camp, man. That's I right. like Saron Neal, but he's he's more a special teams guy than, than a corner. So I, I just, I'm not saying it's going to be a star player. It's not like they're going to go out and get like a, a CB2. I think Wallace is starting, but I could see them making a small trade and adding depth because Richard Wild Goose, he's another guy like, like we talked <laughs> about with Stevenson. And I know he was a draft pick. And again, right. years past, these rookies all make this team. That ain't going to be the case this year. This team's too good. He could be a guy who ends up on the practice squad. I could see them adding depth somewhere at cornerback. And then the last thing, and this is and this is how uh, we'll end our uh, observations, unless you got one or two of your own, but the tight end position, dude, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that's literally what I'm going to do is beat a dead horse mm. right now because mm. it's been alive and dead a million times. I still... <laughs> To this day, think the Bills are going to ultimately trade for Zach Ertz. I do. Even still. I, even right now today. And if it's not Zach Ertz, it might be another veteran tight end. I don't like what I see from Dawson Knox or Hollister or Sweeney. Well, Hollister made that one pay, play that he reached out for and like had to, had to stretch out and ended up on his back, which was a pretty decent play. Mm-hmm. Sweeney dropped an easy pass. Um, but I don't remember a whole lot from Dawson. I just don't know what it's going to take. And you, you think... Man, you you just you have delusions of grandeur, maybe I don't know, and these ideas that when you see the George Kittles of the world and the Travis Kelseys of the world and some of these tight ends, that like a great tight end will just make Josh Allen better. That's what you want to believe, right? Like a great tight end will just make Josh Allen better because he's gonna have a big dude in the middle of the field somewhere that can catch a football. You want Dawson Knox to be that guy, and I want Dawson Knox to be that guy. I just don't know when. When is Dawson Knox going to become that guy? And in Sweeney, as much as I don't know, the preseason games are going to tell us a lot. I, I just don't know 
yeah, you might not be wrong on that one too. I, I would just think it would, I, I believe that it would have been done by now when they got that, when they cleared that eight or $9 million in cap space, I thought that was going to be for Ertz. I was like, Oh, they're going to, they're about to get Ertz. That's what's going to happen here. I still and think it, it hasn't is. come to fruition. I yeah. still think it is. I think maybe they want to take a look at these guys and see if Dawson Knox really pops, which he might look. I, I think it comes down to one of two lines of thinking either a, mm-hmm. they want to get a look at these guys now, but, Ultimately, they trade for a tight end because I think Knox, Hollister, I think they're all TE2s, man, to me. They're sector, they're sector second tight ends. Or we could just be continuing to overvalue the tight end position, period, because Josh likes Turner's receivers and they are deep as shit at wide receiver. That maybe tight end don't matter all that much in the passing game. And if Dawson Knox could just be okay, that's good enough for this offense. It was last year. Well, that's a kid. If that's the case, then you should have kept Lee Smith, right? For that for that third offensive tackle in heavy sets. This team is full. You said this team is full of, of TE2s. It's also full of RB2s. They've got to figure something out at both those positions because both those positions are relatively not ineffective, but not as efficient as they potentially could be, right? Yeah, I agree. All right, bro. We're going to end this here. I'll tell you what. By the way, Matt props to Joe. So this drops Tuesday morning, but it's like literally 1130 at night on Sunday. I called Joe up early on Sunday and said, yo, can, can you do the show from with me tonight? And he literally just got done taping his own show. And then he jumped on and did my man. Dude, what a trooper man you are. And it's look, it's always fun getting to, uh, to chop it up with you. This is the third time in four days. Oh, I'm looking at your face though. So right. man, we might have to take a, a week or a break or so, but as I was serious, on a serious though, man, I really appreciate you, man. It's always fun to have you on the pod. No, it's a pleasure, man. It's a, yeah. I would never, not, I would never tell you no, if it's, if it's possible, if it's doable, it's, it's a yes, always. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you. One more time, my man, Joe Miller, host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast, part of the Buffalo Rumblings Podcasting Network. Joe's one of the best dudes out there, man. I truly mean that, man. He's a great podcaster. We all know he's got a good voice. Strong thoughts, but more than anything else, just a really good human being. Great friend. I'm glad that I've gotten to know him. Not just doing these podcasts, but a little bit on a personal level. I've gotten to spend some time with him. Such a great dude, man. And true, true, true asset to the Buffalo Bills podcasting community. So make sure you follow Joe on all of his social media. Of course, check out the podcast. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, rate, and review. I'm telling you, it only takes a couple seconds to do, and it really, truly helps me continue to grow this show. We're available on Apple Spotify, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. Of course, follow me on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. Man, I'm always on Twitter. I'm parked there. So if you want to get at me, that's the place to uh, to find me. Thank you. You know, that's how I end pretty much every podcast episode. Just want to thank you for, for tuning in. So many great shows out there. And when you give up your time and your ears to listen to what I have to say, to what my guests have to say, I don't take that lightly. I promise you. I'm very appreciative, humbled, grateful for each and every single one of you. So thank you very much. Have a good one. Be safe. Be back. Brand new episode coming up really soon.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.